Thanks for downloading this episode in our School Improvement Series. From Teacher Magazine, I'm Dominique Russell. We're taking you to Tasmania in today's episode, where staff at Bowen Road Primary School have been working with a local electrical engineer for a few years now to teach students about coding. The partnership came about through the CSIRO's STEM Professional in Schools program, which invites STEM industry professionals from across the country to volunteer in schools to share their expertise and real-world perspectives with students. I'm joined in this episode by the electrical engineer volunteering at Bowen Road Primary School, Robbie Bell, from Hydro Tasmania, which is Australia's largest generator of renewable energy. Lynn Hanlon, the educator at Bowen Road Primary School who facilitated this partnership, also joins us to offer her perspective. Let's jump in. I thought it would be a good idea just to begin things, to get a bit of an idea of both of your roles at the moment. So Robbie, yourself as an electrical engineer and Lynn as an educator, and then also how your involvement in the STEMS Professionals in Schools program came about. So could we start off with you, Lynn? Um, I'm a teacher of about 40 years experience and I'm now currently at Bowen Road Primary School and in 2018 I saw an advertisement um, in an education email about the Scientist in Schools program and thought it'd be a great opportunity for our school. So at that time my role was as a support teacher but now I've actually gone on and I hold a senior staff role and a primary maths coach role. So I really value the um, the, the, I really value maths and science and I really am really keen to push the value of maths and science here at Bowen Road Primary School. And Robbie? Uh, yeah, so I'm an electrical engineer. Um, I work as um, a design engineer and also, in, so that's within projects. So I'm always project focused. I work um, doing design implementation and with that work, it sees me routinely doing um, coding. Uh, so, so programming of, of control systems and also uh, some graphics work and other types of things for, for interface displays. Um, I, I do that um, almost exclusively these days on, on hydropower generators. Um, and that facilitates um, remote control of those machines and also remote monitoring. That's what sort of keeps me busy. I came to the program for this, the CSIRO STEM Professionals in Schools, similar to Lynn in that uh, my organisation that I work for encourages volunteering. Um, and so I, I volunteer in a number of different ways. And so one day there was an email uh, internally, um, just promoting the program if anybody was interested. And Lynn, could you tell me a little bit more then about your school context for me? So our school has about 300 students from kindergarten to grade six. We're in the northern suburbs of Hobart. 
Um, but we draw our students from a really diverse range of backgrounds. And in particular, we've got a quite a significant number of students that have got an English as an additional language background that may have come here as refugees. So we've got a really diverse learning community, which is a really powerful thing for our school to have. Um, and we also have a whole lot of teachers that are in their first five years of their teacher, um, teacher career, teaching career. And so I think that, you know, part of this CSIRO's um, STEM Professionals in Schools program, it's a really good link for those teachers to see the links between industry and education. And so I think for them, for our significant number of beginning teachers, it's a really worthwhile project for them in that respect as well. Yep. So Robbie's been coming to us, I guess, um, for th about three years, or it's going into our third year now. And so when he comes, he works with one class over several weeks, and then we change to a different class. Um, and so he has worked with, we, we find that um, most of the, um, the input, the very valuable input that Robbie can have is most suitable for our primary age students, particularly for kids in maybe grades four, five and six. So Robbie hasn't worked with our younger students, but that was a decision that we made here at school. Um, but he's definitely worked with all, um, those beginning career teachers in our primary section. Fantastic. And so I know you've already done some really interesting work with students on coding in particular as part of this partnership. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you're, both of you are showing students that coding and maths and engineering are already a really big part of their their day-to-day -day lives and their lives outside of school in a really unique way. So in the Australian curriculum, there is part of the curriculum called digital technologies. And when I first met Robbie, because I think it's really important that we have a face-to-face -face meeting with our partner scientist, I shared with him the digital technologies curriculum. And he um, has read that and has now become familiar with it. And I think that's really important um, so that there's the links with the curriculum. Um, and also, I think the other thing for us is that a lot of our students love coding, but at the moment, or prior to Robbie coming, they considered coding was a bit more of a fun thing that you did. You did it at home. There were these gamers that developed games, and it was just a coding leisure type activity. And what Robbie's been able to do is to show the students that coding is really important in industry and the way that he uses coding to in his everyday work. So I think it's really shown the kids that yes, I can love coding and it can lead to a career. Um, so I think that's where it's been really valuable. Um, I suppose a few things leading into that. Um, it's helpful with, with Bowen Road that I have some, some connections um, in the community there um, that they identify to help. Um, so Bowen Road Primary School is relatively close to a large Hobart employer that I worked with um, that, that quite a range of them are familiar with. So that was good to make those types of connections rather than just coming in cold. I was able to identify with, with working in a place that a lot of them knew or had parents or whatever involved in. I suppose what I started off with was a career narrative. That was an important thing that Lynn wanted, was during this process of talking about um, career and what I had done over time, because I haven't always been an engineer. Um, I started as an apprentice, electrician, uh, progressed through, and at the time when I was at this local, uh, local employer that these people knew, I'd, I had done a... Uh, a paraprofessional qualification and also returned uh, to university to study engineering. Um, so so that was, that's one aspect that we try to talk to them about is that 
Just because you leave school and do something doesn't mean you have to or you will do it forever. There are options that you can move and progress. So that was part of the, um, an important part of the aspect that, that Lynn wanted with, with the students that I was talking to was not only just and about coding, but narrative. So this career narrative is something that we really value at Bowen Road. And we thought that the students needed to hear the story. And it also meant that they got an opportunity to meet Robbie as a person. So when he came, and we always do that at the first session. So every time he takes a class for that block that he has them over a few weeks, the first session, we always do this career narrative. And I think it gets allows the students to see Robbie as a real person who has got a journey in his career. And he also knows that he's going to have more opportunities even still coming up. So I think it's really, it's also part of setting the scene for his relationship building with the students. The next area in terms of coding to, to demonstrate to, um, to the students in the classes, I'd ask, you know, what type of jobs or interests do, do their parents have? Um, and then just start looking at opportunities um, where all of these jobs potentially can be coders as well. Um, and we talk about how um, engineers have to code, but doctors have to be able to code. Um, accountants need to be able to code. Electricians need to be able to, to code. Or, or when I say need, it's perhaps more a case of all a whole lot of range of jobs have opportunities to code. Some people won't take those opportunities and, and move in that direction and others can. Um, you know, for example, you think about um, scientists you know, generate codes for, for MRI machines, but the medical people also have to work on that and get it together and, and they're coding in, in those ways as well. Accountants, you know, can just do marvellous coding things with Excel that I just don't want to go near. Um, but you see, so it, it's trying to broaden their horizon of coding and not just thinking of games or not just thinking of somebody who codes a computer. There are, there are coding aspects in lots of jobs if people want to look for those opportunities within those jobs. Our Tasmanian Department of Education has four core values and one of them is aspiration. And I think that this um, program really fits with that because um, we would have a lot of students that if I went up to them and said, you know, what career or what job would you like to do when you leave school? Um, we would probably have from a lot of them, not from all of them, but a lot of them a very limited idea of what um, different careers would be available to them. And so I think that having people like Robbie coming to our school is really valuable for students because it enables them to see that, first of all, there is a diverse career pathway that Robbie speaks to them about, but also that, you know, you can have a passion and your passion can actually en end up being a career as well in some ways. And so I think it really fits with that value of us of aspiration. One other thing I have done is we talked about the um, technologies or the digital technologies curriculum. As, as some of the background, I had undertaken the, um, the University of South Australia's um, out of their education centres, a MOOC. Uh, so, you know, one of these massive online courses that they present on um, uh, F to six foundations of digital technology. So that's looking at the curriculum and, and just looking at aspects of it about um, you know, a range of data and computational thinking.
and our staff here at Bowen Road have done the same MOOC as well. So when Robbie's talks to the teachers about it as well, then they've got that, that in common as well. In terms of um, actually showing or you know, engaging with coding, I can't say I do anything unique. Um, partially because I've not seen any other programs of coding by someone coming in, so I don't know. But I, I would more think about it is looking under, you know, breaking structures down so that they can see the simple elements. And then, you know, for example, we base it on Scratch, which is a standard, you know, a standard project um, put forward for educational learning. It's free to everybody. Um, and so it's more about building blocks, looking at you know, doing one thing and then asking them, the students, how we could modify it or to add something. And then when they've got that working, add something else. And that's still using the Scratch tutorial stuff uh, that they publish, which is great. And, you know, so it's, it's looking at, you know, simple steps, um, do one thing and then add something to it and then build it up over time so that it's, um, it's doing something a lot more than when we originally started and they could see how you can build on things independently. We've got a computer lab here at Bowen Road Primary School. So in Robbie Comes, he usually takes the first session in the classroom where he does the career narrative and talks to the students about a whole lot of things that he's already mentioned. But then in the, in the, in the next sessions that he comes back, we usually book the computer lab and then we've got a big TV screen, et cetera, in the computer lab and then the students can log on and then Robbie uses his expertise to help the students um, undertake a project that Robbie's planned for them to do. So Robbie's, Robbie makes himself available on a fortnightly basis and he comes in for um, two hours at a time. We work around his work commitment. So sometimes he has to be away from Hobart with his work. So um, Robbie and I email about that and we set it all up and set the dates up, et cetera. But usually um, the, each class would have about four, three to four sessions, maybe five, depending on the term and Robbie's availability. And so when he comes, they have two hours at a time, times four or five sessions. So eight to 10 hours um, in total for most classes. Great, yeah, that's definitely a significant amount of time. And so would it be right to say, just with your discussion there about um, the projects on Scratch, Robbie, would it be right to say that, you know, the classrooms of students go in having um, not really undertaken use of a program like that before, and then when they leave, they have quite a sophisticated knowledge of it. Are you working on scratch with each session and building on that knowledge, like you say? Is that how it's working? That's correct. Um, it's interesting, though, that um, clearly there is a, a subgroup of students that it's nothing's new. They've, they've done it um, elsewhere. They've either done it at home or done a coding camp during holidays or, you know, sort of a... a um, those type of things. Um, there are others who are completely new to it. Um, and it's, it is interesting uh, from my perspective, just not being a teacher or being around teaching to see how, you know, some students take to it and, and some, some struggle with it. Uh, it's interesting. I had seen, you know, a, one student that for a period did struggle, but suddenly, you know, something tweaked and, and off they went. Um, I, I wouldn't say at the end of it though, they've got a sophisticated um, 
idea of what they're doing or um, they have they have some concepts that they can rec- recognize and use and build on if they if they wish to um, certainly that they come out at the end of the time at a range of levels you know a range of abilities um, and um, you know they they can pursue it however they want afterwards uh, because while they're while in the computer lab they're working on on provided IT and using school IDs um, you know I encourage, encourage them certainly inform them that they can go home and do exactly the same thing on a on a laptop at home and browse and certainly some do can you talk me through some of the behind the scenes work of what you've done to actually make this program run so well? So there is obviously a person who runs the CSIRO's STEM Professionals in Schools program. So when we first expressed an interest, they contacted us to find out about our school context and to find out what we're interested in doing. And then their role is to find us a partner scientist engineer. So they then proceeded to, obviously, as Robbie said, he saw an email at work and then he expressed an interest in volunteering for this program. And then we basically get given Robbie's email. And so then what I did, and we had another scientist in schools prior to Robbie, we, so we did exactly the same process. We invited them to come into school so we could have a face-to-face meeting. And I think that that's a really crucial step in the partnership. So Robbie came in, we had a chat about our school, about what how, how we could um, fit in with Robbie's, so we had to work out with Robbie's commitments and our school timetabling, how much we could, um, we could work together. But I think that face-to-face meeting is really critical because then we get to learn about Robbie's strengths and his interests and, and where we think that we can most um, value from this partnership. And then after that, most of our communication has been done via email, but it's really easy because now I feel that I can just send off a quick email to Robbie. He knows me, I know him. He can quickly reply and say, yep, that works, Lynn. No, it doesn't work, Lynn, you know, whatever. And then and then when Robbie comes to school on the days that I'm here, I just often just say, you know, how are you, how's it going? And things like that. But often once we've got it up and running and Robbie is familiar with the school environment, he signs in at the office, he knows where the computer lab is, the teachers, take, we put it on our information that Robbie's here today and all of that sort of stuff. So it all just, it's a matter of communication. But I do believe that for us, the crucial step was that face-to-face meeting at the beginning um, and then working out whether, you know, how we could best make, you know, value out of this program. Would you agree, Robbie? Yeah. Yeah, I would. What are your long-term goals with this program for improving student learning for the students at your school then? Um, So I think I've just started this conversation with Robbie in the last couple of days again, because um, we've had Robbie now for, you know, two going on to three years that most of our students have actually um, undertaken that the initial work that Robbie did where he matched it to the digital technologies curriculum and to his career narrative. And Robbie's now put his thinking cap on and is trying to come up with something different that he can do so that we can maintain this partnership with Robbie because the students, you know, we can keep building on the scratch and the coding and all of those sorts of things. But I'm hopeful that Robbie's got another string to his bow or many strings to his bow, that he can come up with something that he thinks that um, that will continue to build on our continue to build on our partnership. So I think that's part of the challenge is working out, you know, what we can do to sustain the students' interests, what we can do to sustain Robbie's interests. Like Robbie's only going to want to be involved if it's if he's finding it worthwhile, if his volunteering is actually fulfilling, um, you know, then he's actually feeling valued. So I think 
Robbie, it's a bit about trying to find out something else that Robbie can do. To, to that end, you know, it's a case of, I think, once they've done that initial work, it's then perhaps um, more into that ongoing um, area, but we're still within that uh, digital technologies framework. You know, for example, um, in there, there's, there's um, information or discussion about the collection of data um, and holding that and looking at it. Uh, but still wanting to to embrace some coding within Scratch, so um, I'm sort of currently thinking about and looking about and looking at a group of students who who know how to use Scratch at a basic level, but now we actually want to bring something um, into Scratch from the outside world and and do something with it. So um, that could simply be um, uh, bring in a, a temperature in terms of you can think of a, a, a science background or the collection of data of bring in a temperature and, and hold them and just create a really simple um, bar graph of it over, over time. Um, and then looking at, well, what, what does the data mean? How is it represented? Um, how, how is it stored? Um, now, I'm talking here at a sort of a, a grade five, six level of things, uh, but certainly within that F, F to six um, curriculum, it talks about um, binary and binary numbers. Um, and represent, you know, what, how things are represented within binary numbers. And I, I have just started dabbling with that last year. We also, in, some, in that eight hours, also introduced the, the concept of, of binary and different ways of, you know, there are, there are different number systems for maths. Um, and, you know, a computer really uses um, all of those rules that are... Um, the whole time it's working and how it's representing a number. And yep. So we've just, Robbie's not available to a, a couple of weeks into next term. So we've got probably four or five weeks for Robbie and I to work out where, what he thinks that he can build on what he's already done. Cause he's actually now basically worked with every primary student over the last couple of years. And then we had a bit of impact from COVID last year. Um, so this is a, just a matter really of, but Robbie's really aware of what the kids um, skill level is and their interests. And so I'm feeling really confident that we can work something out that's going to match Robbie's skills um, with what our students can benefit from. Yeah, it's great to hear that you come from that um, challenge at such a collaborative perspective, like you're really bringing each other's expertise to the table and working things out together for where you're going to take the next step forward. Is that really important to not have one of you, in terms of it being a partnership as it is, to not have one of you say, right, this is what we're going to do next, to really approach it from a collaborative perspective? It certainly is from my point of view um, in that you know, I can do a whole range of things, but I need, I need the perspective of this has got to be taught, you know, or what are, we, what are we trying to teach? What are we trying to achieve? And so if we know what we're trying to achieve, then I can look at uh, which areas I can, I can go in uh, because you know, the, the feedback on the sessions is important, but also you know, in that communications path, it is, well, 
where would we like to head long term? Because, uh, you know, otherwise you just are stuck in a loop that's that's pretty short. And you know, it's it's about wanting to build on things over time. What kind of feedback have the students been giving you? I think that it's really important that the students have somebody that they believe knows what they're talking about. And so I think that that's been really valuable for them when they've ran into a problem in the lab and they, and they need some support, then they know that Robbie will be able to um, help them or problem solve with them or suggest something to get them to trigger something to actually get it to work. And so I think that the kids have really enjoyed um, having him um, being able to to help them problem solve, to to teach them some skills that they really value, um, they you know, and so I think that it's the feedback's been really positive. I think from my perspective, um, I don't necessarily get a lot of feedback from students um, in terms of you know seeking feedback and um, surveys at the end and those types of things, um, but I did have a couple of of um, experiences late last year after returning. Uh, you know, having not been there for some time with COVID. Um, it was interesting to see uh, just the sheer delight of a couple of students near the end of really nailing something well that they thought, you know, from the beginning they weren't going to get. And, you know, I just in just that building block type of format where I'd ask them to do one thing and then another thing and another thing um, and then... Um, than them nailing something really well. And you could see that they really, really enjoyed being able to get it right. And as an educator, that's what we, you know, that's what we really value too, is when we can see, you know, that those child's actually grasped something that they were struggling with. So I think, you know, so I think it's really nice to know that we can actually see those students, see those light bulb moments. But I do think communication is the thing because, you know, Robbie's busy, we're busy. And so it's really just a matter of trying to work out what, when, Robbie, when Robbie's available, be understanding if Robbie suddenly says, no, I've got to go away to the, you know, up to the Central Highlands for a hydro for a few weeks, then we just work around it. And Rob, you know, and I think that's the really important thing to understand that Robbie's flexible, we try to be flexible and we just try to make it work. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you found this topic interesting, you might want to catch up on a special podcast episode from our archives. I spoke with Australia's then chief scientist, Dr Alan Finkel, on his research report looking at STEM industry school partnerships. Here's a snippet of what he had to say in that podcast. Uh, To get a good STEM education, students need deep discipline knowledge in chemistry or physics, or it could be digital technologies, but whatever they're learning, that knowledge has to be deep. The students need to be proficient users of technology in school and ultimately in whatever careers they might adopt. Um, We are using technology as props to amplify our capabilities. And another important aspect of a contemporary STEM education is a deep understanding for and respect of the social impact of these technologies. It's the workforce opportunities, of course, but it's the impact of what technology does to the way people live, to the way people interact, and to everything in our society. You'll be able to find the full episode at our website, teachermagazine.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.